So many people are so afraid to tell their stories. <laughs> I was one of them for the longest time. It actually wasn't until about the last six months I was comfortable enough to tell my full story. And as I started to tell bits and pieces of my full story, bits and pieces that I've never told anybody about, I realized there was a lot of women out there who just needed to hear that there was somebody out there with those exact same struggles. Hey, beautiful. My name is Yolanda Latham, and I am obsessed with all things business and mom life and helping you navigate your crazy life to that freedom that you desire. I'm a small-time mom who's currently having a full-time education career, growing a six-figure business, and on my way to reaching that financial and time freedom that I've desired for many, many years. I'm going to show you the inside look of what it's like growing a business and being a working mom. And I'm not going to stray away from the real talk. Heck no. Money, hardship, growth, anything that you can think of when it comes to being a full-time career mom, we're going to talk about it. So think of this as your lunch date with your BFF. So pull up your seat, grab a drink, and get ready to be unapologetically you. I grew up in what I would say was a small town, USA, in northern Indiana. I was two hours from the Chicago O'Hare Airport, an hour from the Michigan border, and an hour and a half from Illinois or Ohio, depending on which direction you wanted to go. And even though the town I grew up in was like the county seat, it still, looking back at it, it still seems small. Even though I left in 2010 to go to college, and at that time, it definitely seemed smaller than Purdue University. That's where I went to college at. It seemed like three of my towns could fit into Purdue. And maybe it was the same size space-wise, and Purdue had a lot more people. It just seemed smaller. And going to Purdue was a huge, oh my gosh, it opened up a world that I did not know. And growing up, though, it seemed like there was two options in your life. Either you were going to go make something of yourself or you weren't. And it seemed like it depended on your name. If you came from one of those quote-unquote uppity families, then you were definitely going to go make something of yourself. And if you were like me, you'd be lucky if you had a job at Walmart. That's what it seemed to perceive like. I remember growing up, my family never talked about finances. Um, we never had financial education in our household. Um but we never had, um, sorry, I'm trying to think of what the word was called. We never had an allowance. And we never, really what we earned is what we could spend. But it wasn't like you wash the dishes and you get a dollar for it. We never did that. And it was always known, at least there was always a sense that we were struggling financially. Um, and when I say we were poor, like we had a house, we had a roof over our head, we had food in our stomachs. But sometimes that food in our stomachs was like toast with butter on it, maybe peanut butter. And we were 24 hours away from being homeless. A couple of times, it, it definitely seemed like that. And coming from a small community, 
everybody found out your business probably before you even knew, knew your own business, it seemed like. I remember one time where we were in the process of our home being foreclosed on. I didn't know that we were going foreclosure. I was in high school at the time. I didn't know that. But the kids who, I don't know how they found about it, but kids at school like found out about it. Um, Like the banker's daughter was the one that was like, bragging to that we were going to be homeless and stuff and I was like what in the world are you talking about and uh it was just so crazy to think about that at that time my world closing in at that time but I remember in sixth grade this is the memory that sticks out the most of me that I knew that I was going to make somebody of myself And at that time, when I thought about making myself into somebody, it was going to college and getting a college degree. Like, that's what I what I perceived as making myself a somebody. But I remember in sixth grade. And so ironically, that was a math class because I teach math. I teach sixth grade math now. So this is so ironic. But God works in mysterious ways. But I was getting made fun of. By the regular school bullies. Um. You know, the ones that they always bullied you, but they never seemed to get in trouble. And uh, they were they were making fun of me for being poor and the clothes I was wearing. I was wearing a pair of jeans and a sweatshirt. Um, it was a camo sweatshirt, but I was getting made fun of for that. And my, my shoes were getting torn apart because they were old. And I excused myself from class to go to the bathroom. And this was at the beginning of math class. And I sat in the girls' bathroom, curled up on the stool the best I can. I was not the smallest person in the world. And so just being able to curl up on that stool to so nobody can see my feet, kind of just trying to escape, I cried. And I bawled when nobody was in the bathroom, and I muffled my sniffles when somebody walked in. But I cried. And I remember telling myself that day that I was going to be somebody. That when I grew up, I was not going to have financial struggles. I was going to go and get my college degree, have no more financial issues, buy a house, pay off my parents' house, buy them a new vehicle, and it was all going to be solved. And nobody would have any other reason to make fun of me. Little... (laughs) Looking back at it now, thinking about it now, I'm like, oh, I was so naive then. But to a 12-year-old, and I teach 12-year-olds, but to that 12-year-old, that's what makes the world better, thinking of those things. Last year, we were talking about financial literacy in, in class, and I asked the kids, like, how much do you think it takes to be have that quote-unquote rich lifestyle and one of my classes agreed to that ten thousand dollars you needed at least ten thousand dollars to live that rich lifestyle and when we talked about what that rich lifestyle was it was like having a mustang having your own house having playstation having your phone and it was something else but all you needed was ten thousand dollars And I was like, okay. And so we talked about, now I never disclosed how much I made as a teacher, but I was like, how much money do you think I make? They're like, oh, well, you're pretty close to being rich. Teachers aren't rich, rich, but you're pretty close to being rich. I bet you make like $8,000 a year. 
And it was so interesting to see the perspective of that. Now, if you're listening to this, you probably know that $10,000 a month is a struggle. A month. Shoot, I'm not thinking. $10,000 a month would be great. $10,000 a year would be a struggle. But to the 12-year-old minds, that's what, that's what they, they think. Or at least the kids I, I taught. And that's what I thought. Because I didn't know how much my, money my parents made. Um, at that time, I just knew that we were poor. And that we couldn't afford nice things. So fast forward, I worked really hard in, call, or in high school. And I even went and got a job myself to help pay the bills at home. But I went to college. And I was financially independent when I went to college. Um, I took a full course load. And I worked a 40 to 60 hour job. Uh, depending on if I could pick up any extra hours. I worked 40 to 60 hours for four years. Um, and during the summers when there wasn't school, I did internships. And um, if I could stay home, there was one internship. I actually went to South Africa, and I'll talk about that later. But um, if I could stay home so that way I didn't have to pay rent and stuff, I did. And it was great. Don't get me wrong. College was great. It was a great experience. But it was definitely a struggle. And that's when I realized that just getting your college degree was not going to always solve your financial problems. In some cases, it probably created financial issues that I didn't really know about until later. Or really, I don't say know about, understand until later. But when I got into college, I was like, it didn't fulfill me enough just to be at college. Like I wanted to do something that nobody else would have done. So I wanted to start traveling internationally. And my freshman year, I actually got to go to Ireland for spring break. And it was great. I went with Purdue and traveled across the country. And it was great. But then I wanted to go to Africa. Like Africa would be one of the top things that was on my list. And so I worked really hard to go to Africa. And due to my grades in college, I did, I did struggle keeping up my grades up because I was working so much and I was exhausted all the time that I couldn't focus in classes. Um... I wasn't able to do a study abroad program. I was not. Ex- I was accepted into the study abroad program on the program side, just not on the college side of it. And I didn't really have the money to go do that program. So I found a different program and I interned with them in 2012. Um, I interned with them. And then in 2013, I interned them with them again. I did it for two years. The first year was kind of like, the U.S. business side of it. And then in 2013, I was able to go to South Africa and learn about wildlife management there. And that that was my degree was in, it was in wildlife management because I thought that'd be such a cool thing. And at the end of that, they offered me a job position. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not even graduated college yet. And I already have what could be my dream job. I absolutely loved it. Um, I get to travel what more could I want? So I went to South Africa again. When I, gra- I graduated college, the next day I flew out to South Africa again. Um, and when I came back in September that year, in 2014, I stayed with my parents for a few weeks, but then I moved to Texas, where I currently live. But I moved to Texas because that's where my job office was going to be located. And that move was one of the best decisions as well as one of the worst decisions that I had ever made. So I knew, so the, the job I, I took was with a nonprofit and I knew it wasn't going to make much money. But I knew that if my parents could survive 
on a family of five with $35,000 a year that I could survive as a single person with $20,000 a year. Um, but I made some naive, I don't want to say dumb mistakes because I was naive at the time. And, and again, I come from background where my mom dropped out of high school. My dad has his high school diploma, but it was kind of one of those things where they gave, like, he, they just passed him along. And so I didn't really have the expertise going in on what do I look for in a contract? What do I need to understand in a contract? What do I need to make sure that I am um, protected myself? And shame on this nonprofit for taking the naive girl and really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, there's a word I want to look for, but I can't even think of it. But abusing her. So one thing I did not understand in my contract was that if the com- if the nonprofit didn't have so much money coming in, then my paycheck got cut. And it wasn't everybody's paycheck. It was just mine. And I learned that later. That was just my paycheck got cut. So when I went in there, I was like, okay, I can definitely survive off of $20,000. And I knew like the more money that came in, I would get bonuses and stuff. So I, I knew that. And my, part of my job was fundraising. And I was so ready to learn about fundraising and, and heave, hove, and take over the world. Um, that was my attitude there. But I moved, I moved in October and immediately went to Colorado to do some things there. Was invited on a hunting trip, went on a hunting trip there, came back. And was getting ready for the 20, uh, 20, uh, 2015, 2015 year. We already had some college students sign up and the money was coming in, but we were starting to focus on, on fundraising deal. So the first fundraiser that we were going to do was a New Year's Eve party up in Dallas. And so when we went up there, we raised almost $2,000 for that. That was my first event um, that I ever did. And I raised almost $2,000 for there. And coming home from that event, I was so proud of that $2,000 earning I was, I was like, yes, like, this is awesome. But according to my boss, I wasn't good enough. And I got reamed on that way home because we carpooled for two hours on how I wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough. I should have done better. So I said, okay, duly noted. The next time I do something, I'm, I'm going to make it $5,000. Like that was my next goal. So then next time around came Dallas Safari Club. And we went and did that. And we we earned, I was almost that $5,000 goal. Almost, I remember it was so close. But I got reamed again. And at this time, we had actually made more money go, starting out 2015 than what we did throughout 2014. Like, we were already three weeks in at this time, of 2015, and we had already produced more money than 2014. But again, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. And there was always reasons why it wasn't good enough. And as the 2015 season to go back over to South Africa came, my, secure, my insecurity started growing. And it was always, I wasn't good enough. I was and it, they would just ream me. My boss and the board would just ream me every time that they had over everything that was little. 
So when I went to 2015 to South Africa, I just wanted to disappear. Like I was there physically, but I did not want to be there. I was not there mentally. I just wanted to hide. I remember the whole time I was in South Africa, um, I was sick. I was throwing up every single day. I was so stressed out. I was crying every day. I didn't want to talk to people. Like I hid away as much as I could. And when I came back in 2015, I wanted to leave. But this was my dream. This was my dream career. And I didn't want anybody to be disappointed in me. So I didn't say anything. And I put a fake smile on my face and I started trying to figure out what could I do with my life that my family would not be disappointed in me. And for the next six months until that year, I faked it and I lied and I worked three minimum wage jobs to put back money. And, um, in that meantime, or in that time, I, I did angrily quit that, that position. Um, I, when I did my taxes that year, I did not get that much money. I didn't even get my last paycheck because I was so angry. Um, but they, looking back at now, they were taking money out of my paycheck to cushion their paychecks, but because it was in my contract and I was naive at the terminology, I did not know. First of all, I didn't know there were people out in the world that would do that purposely. Um, second of all, like why the hell would you do that anyway? But lesson learned. Um, so I started working three minimum wage jobs and I was sleeping in my car for about a month before I was able to, to get an apartment of my own. And I got a cheap apartment. Like it was like $500 a month, just the bare minimums. That's all I wanted. And I had a mattress and my clothes. <laughs> like that's literally all I had. Cause that's what could fit in my Durango at that time. But I was so depressed and so ashamed of who I was that I was on my way to become a somebody and then now I was a nobody. And it just happened that at Christmas time, I started talking to my husband, but I was really debating at that time, going back from Texas, going back to Indiana. And I brought it up to my husband and he had asked me to to wait it out for a few months. He's like, just wait it out for a few months here. And things started looking up. But now it is four years, almost five years later. Actually, I'll say four years right now. This is my lowest point in my life. Since then, I've had a great, two great grandmothers die. Both my grandfathers passed away which were really hard on me. Um, I was only able to make it up there for, for one funeral out of those. And that was the one, my grandfather who passed away um, this past September. But looking back over the last four years, I went from my lowest point where I was so depressed and I had so much anxiety and I still have triggers that happen um, to changing careers. Like I'm now an educator And then in 2019, I decided to get into network marketing. And I'm going to talk about that in another episode. But I got into network marketing. And within the last two years, since 2019, January January 2nd, 2019 is when I started network marketing. I have went from being 
at one of the lowest stages of my life that lasted for a couple of years to knowing what God is using my story for. Are we where we want to be yet? No. We're still struggling. And I mean, 2019 was a hard year. We're still struggling financially from that. We're, we're making ways there. Um, I still struggle with my anxiety. I, every now and then I have a depression moment. And, and I'm going to be sharing with that with you guys. But looking back at those moments, I definitely have found that had I stayed in that mindset that I was worthless, that I was never going to be good enough, I probably would still be there today. I probably would not have the marriage that I have or have the beautiful baby girl that I have or even the career that I have had I stayed in those mindsets. And now here it is, 2021. And I'm so excited about what I'm sharing with you guys and what I have in store for you. And what God has in store for me and as we grow. And whatever I learn and whatever growth I have, I'm going to share that with you. Thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to a little bit of my my story. I am so excited to be sharing everything that I have with you guys. If you want to keep up to date on when a new podcast or YouTube video launches, uh, sign up at, for, at www.yolandalatham.com backslash learn. Not only will you be getting weekly business tips from me, but you will also get those notifications when new episodes have launched. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you and I'll see you later.